<laughs> I have uh, never uh, used an erection to answer the affirmative before. I think we're going to start doing that. Uh, <laughs> mo- uh, yeah, baby. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total <laughs> fucking bullshit. The, the bullshit this makes no fucking sense. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Hey, welcome back to the Bullshit Filter. My name is Cameron Riley. How are you, Papa Bear? Are you ready? That's all I want to know. (laughs) I don't know if I'm as ready as you are, uh, but I'm ready. Oh well, you'll never be as ready as I am. Let's just accept. <laughs> oh. Let's just accept the reality okay. of right. that. That that'll be the point. base, right? Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Ray. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, in your country, the United States yeah. of Trump, uh, the <laughs> Supreme Court recently ruled against one of our favourites. Uh, mechanisms for making money, civil asset forfeiture. Um, nice. Now, I'm a big fan of civil asset forfeiture. Um, I'm, I'm constantly right. going around and just uh, stopping people in the street and taking their <laughs> shit and going, sorry, right. it's mine now. Um, yeah, thanks. People say, oh, it's theft. I go, no, no, it's no. civil asset Look at this badge. forfeiture. Right. Uh, I don't right. need a badge. You don't need a badge. No, it's just civil asset camera. I figure if it's okay. look if it's good enough for the government to do it, it's good enough right. f- for me. I, that's the rule of law. Anyway, we talked about this on our War on Drugs series, as I'm sure you'll recall. Um, yes, the concept of it been around a long time, but uh, like going way way back to you know Magna Carta days. But I, I think that uh, what we saw in our War on Drugs series was that mm-hmm. uh, in the United States, in particular, ramped up in the Reagan era uh, when government decided, hey, we're going to come and take your shit, even if we just uh, suspect that you are somehow involved in drugs. We right. we have the right to come and take your cash, your car, your house, uh, all sorts of things we can take. And you even without even a conviction, without even charging yeah. you often. We suspect. Yeah. And if you yeah. want to get it back, that's fine. You just have to prove to us that <laughs> right. uh, you you acquired it through means fair and foul, um, and yet you, you have to turn up in court. But how do I uh, how do I afford a lawyer? You just took all my cash. Well, not my problem. Not, see, not, not my, my problem. <laughs> <laughs> and if I remember correctly, there was one part where they added another law where even your own t- attorney would have to answer the questions of either the prosecution or, or, or the courts or whatever. So, yeah, it was completely, you know, and this was used like a weapon, obviously, against black people to keep them in their place. And like you said, you know, the federal government cut back on their budgets. The states had to somehow make do, and they, you know, they hit upon this. I mean, like you said, it's been around, but they turned it into an art form. Yeah. 
Our Skype yeah. calls dropped out a bit there, and I lost a couple of words you said, but I'll fill in the gaps. I mean, I, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure everyone knows what you're saying. I yeah yeah. I'll just I'll, I'll edit in giggles in between the gaps. And, there you uh, go. No one will know. Um, now this is kind of surprising to me, uh, and I want to drill down a little bit, see if we can unpick it. But let's go through some of the background. So it was a unanimous decision by the Supreme mm-hmm. Court last week, and it prohibits all 50 states from civil asset forfeiture, uh, imposing excessive fines, which is how it's um, defined, you know, by taking right. taking your shit. If I take your shit, that's an excessive fine. Um, and mm-hmm. this includes seizure of property of people accused or even convicted of a crime. Now, this is a this is a fairly momentous ruling, and it's very unusual, I believe, to see the U.S. Supreme Court hand down a ruling as large as this, particularly right. where it's unanimous. All nine justices, even the crazy rapey one, uh, <laughs> decide <laughs> voted for this. Rapey, right. rapey McRapeyton um, right. said, "Yeah, look, I may be a rapist, but." Uh, you know, even yeah. I, even even rapists draw the line. Draw uh, the line. At, Personal property. Yeah. Yeah, because you know yeah. people might come and take my shit, accuse me of being a rapist, exactly. so take my shit. Now, yeah. uh, the the ruling uh, was written by Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 172 years of age. Uh, everyone was impressed. <laughs> a young 172. Yes. yes. Yeah. This ruling in the case Tim's versus Indiana. Now, in 2015. Uh, Mr. Timms was charged with selling heroin to undercover officers in Indiana. Now, who hasn't done that? We've all we've all been there. Uh, <laughs> I did it today. <laughs> yeah, he pleaded guilty to right. selling heroin. Uh, court sentenced him to a year of house arrest, five years probation. Right. It's basically being a podcaster, really. They just sentenced him to being a <laughs> podcaster. Like, just stay in your house. And we go, well, that's... I went and All got, the fucking time. I went and got a haircut yeah. yesterday, and the guy cutting my hair said, um, "What do you do you normally put product in your hair? I said, no. He said, uh, well, yeah. how do you style it when you go out? And I went, go out. What, what is <laughs> I this? I run my fingers through it. No, yeah, I was like, what style? Is, What's that? What, is this, what does that mean? What is this going out of the house business of which you speak? <laughs> I said, dude, I'm a podcaster. I don't go out. I Why don't would I go out. It's nothing to do. I haven't put on pants since. Yeah, 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 yeah. Since Real the pants. iPhone yeah. was invented. Um, <laughs> year of house arrest, five years probation, an addiction treatment program, which helped him overcome his addiction. Uh, the court ordered him to pay one thousand two hundred and three dollars in fines and fees. Okay, so that's you know I, I'm yeah. happy about this. Look, this is a reasonable. A reasonable sentencing for selling a bit of smack to some undercover cops, and, and plus that he's black. I mean, I'm 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 pleasantly surprised. I mean, I thought he was going to, you know, like they did in the '80s, just take everything away from him and ruin his life. So this is actually a pretty lenient sentence. I was shocked, probably as much as you were. Yeah, but yeah. then Uh-oh. the state of Indiana hired a private law for they weren't happy with this the the prosecution the state they weren't happy with how the uh court uh you know uh, sentenced this guy they thought it was a bit light so they hired a private law firm to seize mr tim's land rover which they said he used to transport the heroin 
right. they uh, obtained the car valued at $42,000, which was Ooh. 40 times what he'd actually been fined by the court and more than four times the maximum fine for a drug conviction of his nature, of that nature, of what he was, what he was convicted of doing. Right. Now, under Indiana law, the state and the law firm get to split the profits. So, oh, so the law firm makes yeah. money, the uh, state makes money, everyone's happy except Mr. Timms. Now, Mr. Yeah. Timms fought back. He claimed that the forfeiture constituted an excessive fine under the Eighth Amendment, uh, which was right. applied to the states, his legal team argued, through the 14th Amendment. Now, the yeah. Indiana Supreme Court disagreed and said that the Supreme Court, SCOTUS, had never incorporated mm-hmm. that particular clause against the states. Now, as uh, look, nobody knows more about the U.S. Constitution than you do, Ray. Can you explain right. for us? And I hope you didn't see my warning on Facebook about this last night because I wanted to catch you unaware. No. Uh, can you explain for us what the Bill of Rights is? The Bill of Rights is the first ten amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Um, I guess tweaking or altering or, or, or guaranteeing certain rights. That's just off the top of my pretty little head. <laughs> no preparation there. No warning. You just no. you just knew no, that. I, you knew that. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, middle school. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So, uh, who created it? Who wrote these amendments? Oh shit. Um, oh, your middle oh, school's shit. not so fucking good now, is it? <laughs> well, it's as far as I went. I'm. It's my uh, alum. Um, no, I. I don't know who. I've for, totally forgotten. Was it one person? Was it a group of people? Was it? Uh, what was it? Mostly one person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mr. James Madison. Ah, of course. Who invented? I'm embarrassed. Madison Avenue um, advertising. Right. Invented advertising. They <clears throat> named it after him. Now. Uh, for extra points, uh, how many yeah. amendments did he propose? Well, if 10 were approved, I'm guessing it was more than 10. So I don't know. Uh, 15? 12. No 12. Oh, I aim too high. So he proposed 12. 10 were accepted. What happened to the other two? I guess they didn't take. <laughs> I guess they didn't weren't incorporated. I don't know. What, what, or did they come along later in the amendments? I have no idea. What were the other two? Um, believe it or not, I'm walking I'm gonna on go air. With, I never thought I, I could feel so free. <laughs> Chrissy's never seen, never heard of the greatest American hero. The other no. day, I had to show. Oh my God. I had to show the trailer yes. for uh, the greatest American. I love hero. that song. Oh, yeah, great, great TV show. Love great it. song. Loved it. Eighties. <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, there was one that said uh, it would prohibit any law that increases or decreases the salary of members of Congress from taking effect until the start of the next set of terms of office for the representatives. Ah. So you give yourself a pay Seems rise. Okay. It doesn't take effect right. until your next term starts. Right. So you can't if you're give, reelected. Yeah, if you're reelected. So you can't just go giving yourself right. a pay rise. Um, 
So what happened to it? Yeah. Why wasn't that adopted? Do you think? Um, why would why would these people vote against giving themselves raises? Yeah. That seems counterintuitive. Well, it was adopted in 1992. <laughs> I am not surprised. And oh, well, you, you, you're yeah. not you're not surprised that it was adopted, or you're not surprised. I'm not surprised it was. I'm not surprised it was eventually adopted. Um, um, Mitch McConnell, did he have anything to do with it? I'm just plucking a name out of the air. No, yeah, but it is a great story. In 1982, okay. there was right. a 19-year-old sophomore at the University of Texas uh, in Austin. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, do you know what sophomore means? You come second? No, I, I don't know. I, I had to look this up the other day. Chris and I were having this conversation over dinner because in Australia, we don't have sophomores. We don't, we, we don't, ah, we don't use, use, well, it's spelt sophomore, but I know you, That's fine. you just drop, That's fine. drop the O. <laughs> we're, just, uh, we're like the French, we just drop letters. Lazy. Um, yeah. There's only 24 letters. Go ahead. Yeah, she kept telling me it's sophomore. And I go, well, it's not. It's sophomore. You, you <laughs> may choose to mispronounce it if you choose, you but tell it's her. sophomore. It means smart dumb. What? Yeah. Uh, smart dumb, basically, which is okay. Chrissy's pet name for Mormons, by the way. She calls them smart dumbs. Um, it means it means something like a learned fool. Um, ah, uh, sof, sophist, sopho, sof, Sophie, Sophie, Sophie's choice. Uh, should you right. which one of your kids should you kill? That's basically where that comes from. No, uh, so the root of soph in Greek is uh, wisdom. Uh, more mm-hmm. is the same root as moron, dumb stupid right so basically i think a sophomore in the u.s you, you know a little bit but you still know nothing um right. when you're a sophomore so it means a smart dumb anyway so this guy yeah. 19 year old sophomore at the university of texas in 1982 wrote a paper for a government class that he was sitting uh where he talked about this particular amendment and he claimed that it could still be ratified now a teaching assistant graded the paper a c so mm-hmm. the student, uh, I think his name was Gregory Watson or something like that. Um, he appealed to the professor, who failed him for saying that this oh, amendment shit. could still be ratified two hundred years later. So Mr. Watson launched a nationwide campaign to get it ratified, and ten years right. later, in nineteen ninety-two. It was ratified yeah. as the Twenty Seventh Amendment to the United States Constitution. <laughs> did did he go back to that professor and go in your face, oh. or was the professor still alive? No, I'm pretty sh- pretty sure he did. Now, <laughs> um, guess what? Guess what he's doing today, Mister Watson? I'm guessing, and this is just random. He's a member of Congress. No, he's basically unemployed. Huh? Um, he's oh. He's my age. He's helped so many congressmen, right? 47, 48, um, although, hold on, that can't be right. Nine, he was 19 in 1982. No, that can't be right. I was only 12 in 1982. Mm. He's seven years older than me. So right. he's in his 50s, early 50s. I read an interview with him from a year or so ago. Um, he's working temp jobs, can't get a real job. Um, Damn. Yeah. Uh, you would think all those congressmen would have given them like a 2% kickback from all the raises because they have given themselves a lot of raises since 92. I'm so sure, it's I'm not fair. I'm sure they have. But you would think that yeah. a guy who single-handedly got an amendment yeah. passed to the Constitution 
That's pretty impressive. Would have been rewarded <laughs> somehow. No. Now, would that be the first thing on your resume? I think it would. Yeah. At the very top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. So how? Uh, oh, so what was the other uh, uh, proposed amendment that didn't make it? You're about to tell me. It was the Congressional Apportionment Amendment. Uh huh. Now this laid out a mathematical formula. Oh, personally, I was surprised that they had maths in 1780. <laughs> no. Whatever. Um, no. Laid out a mathematical formula for determining the number of seats in the House of Representatives. It would have oh. initially required one representative for every 30,000 constituents. Eventually, right. the number would climb to one representative for every 50,000 constituents. Wow. Now, mm-hmm. do you know when that one was accepted? Uh, I do not. Tell ne- me. Never. Still still classified as pending. Um, gotcha. They're still working <laughs> on that one. Pending. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> still still working their way through that, through the system. That makes sense. That um, makes sense. Do you know how it's currently done? The How they decide the number of representatives uh, in the House of Representatives? Um, based on population, but I literally do not know anything about the equation or however that they do it. There are 435 seats, mm-hmm. and they are divided amongst the states depending on the most recent census. Census, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So they apportion, mm-hmm. it's called apportionment, they apportion a number of seats, which approximately mm-hmm. corresponds to the share of the overall population that each state has. So anyway, back to the Bill of Rights. So th- Yeah. One of the amendments that was accepted that James Madison proposed was the uh, became the Eighth Amendment, and it guarantees that no excessive fines may be imposed by the government okay. against people, criminals. Sounds good. Um, right. Now, this again, this idea goes way, way back to the Magna Carta. But here's the problem. The Bill of Rights originally only applied to the federal government, not to the states. Ah, okay. Now, after your Civil War, the 14th Amendment, which uh, Mm -hmm. dealt with slavery, was ratified to apply to the states. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the Eighth Amendment, not so much. Now, and the Supreme Court only, I think, over, slowly over time has applied the Bill of Rights against the state, sort of one by one. They haven't done a carte blanche. Right, right. this is for everybody. They're just slowly, yeah. slowly rolling it out. Um, uh, yeah. And before this case, the Tim's case, the excessive fines clause, the Eighth Amendment, had never been rolled out to all of the states. Some states had adopted it, most hadn't. And this enabled the states to, you know, rape and pillage, basically. Right. So my question is, uh, considering this is the bullshit filler, why was this allowed to go on for so many decades? Like, it, it existed for 200 years, but it ramped up, as we talked about, from the 80s onwards. Qui bono, Ray? Qui bono Um, this for me? Who benefited from it? Well, if I remember correctly from our previous show, and, and that, that series was my favorite one, um, didn't Reagan's federal government cut the amount of money going to states for law enforcement um, 
And so the states had to come up with, or maybe even the federal government recommended using this to to fill in the gaps of what they weren't going to get the federal from the federal government anymore because Reagan was trying to rein in spending. So I, I thought it was something that a particular person, I God, I can't remember who, pointed this out to the various states that this could be a way to take care of the fort shop, uh, uh, take care of the uh, lack of money coming from the federal government. Yeah, well, it, it, it really ramped up with the Comprehensive Crime Control Act of mm. 1984. Okay. Sponsored by probable 2020 presidential candidate, Democrat <laughs> Joe Biden. Uh, can we get someone under age 100 to run for president or no? Yeah, AOC, anyway. man. AOC. AOC. <laughs> Say, yeah. Um, oh, say, I would vote for her. I see. I would vote for her just based on that video of her dancing oh. when she was in college. That right there, yeah. I've just done. done. I'm done and done. done if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, past yeah. past yeah. the box of tissues, <laughs> past the Kleenex. Um, <laughs> if anything, she's overqualified. Where were we? Um. Yeah, Joe Biden. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, in 1984. Yeah, the Comprehensive yeah. Crime Control Act. Yeah, you're right. The Reagan uh, cut budgets for law enforcement, um, but said, you know what, you should do is just go yeah. and take people's shit. Don't worry if they're if they've done anything or not, or if you can prove it. Just take their shit. Take it. Yeah. Now, uh, according Jeez. to uh, one analysis I read, law enforcement took more stuff from people than burglars did in 2014. <laughs> Jesus. Well, they're better at it. Practice makes perfect. Civil asset forfeiture grew from $1 billion in 2004 to $5 billion in 2014. Jeez. Burglary, and they weren't taking from the rich. Yeah, bur- yeah. Burglary over that same period right. of time grew from three and a half billion a year to three and a half billion a year. So it stabilized <laughs> over ten years. But right. civil asset forfeiture grew by five hundred percent. God. Now, if you add up all of the property stolen in twenty fourteen from burglary, theft, motor vehicle theft, all that kind of stuff. It's actually more like $12.3 billion according to the FBI. But uh, just uh, right. if, you, if you look at straight-up home burglary, uh, which mm-hmm. I don't know why you would make that comparison, but someone did, so I'm running with it. Anyway, the point sure. is that civil asset forfeiture grew from $1 billion in 2004 to $5 billion 10 years later. And Jeez. so the question, obviously, so one question is who benefits? Well... We know law enforcement did, legal firms, mm-hmm. uh, uh, police, and, uh, 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 you know, uh, who else you got in your law enforcement kit bag there? Um, Yogi Bear, uh, I guess. <laughs> no, not Yogi Bear. Who's the bear no. with the no. the mounty cap? Um, who, um, um, oh, don't God. like fire kids? Yosemite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no. No. Um, no. Only you can prevent forest fires. Who in the fuck said that? Some yeah. bear, some yeah. talking bear with a hat. Yeah, that to- 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 yeah. talky hat bear. I think it was, it was the coin. <laughs> I can't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> so much for that message sticking. Yellow- Yellowstone, yeah. Yosemite. He was nope. associated with nope. one of the parks, wasn't he? Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't remember Fucking, the okay. actual. Fuck. 
Fire prevention bear. Forest Search <laughs> fire prevention bear. Forest fire bear. <laughs> Not fire. Smokey bear. <laughs> yeah. Smokey. Smokey. Oh my God. Bear. Come on, Ray. Smokey the bear. <laughs> oh Jesus my Christ, God. Ray. Yeah, I'm not even an yeah. American, and I know Smokey Bear. Well, I do. I, I, I know Smokey Bear. I just couldn't remember the name. Yeah, that's what. Oh, yeah. That's that's what people should call me when I smoke a cigar, Smokey Bear. Anywho, I, I just want to throw. Yeah, I just want to throw this out real quick. So after Tibbs, uh, Tim's, I'm I'm not going to jump ahead, but after you know the arrest and everything, he he was interviewed and he said taking my vehicle makes things unnecessarily difficult for a person like me who already struggles. To me, it doesn't make sense if they're trying to rehabil- if they're trying to rehabilitate and help me help myself. Why do you want to make things harder by taking away the vehicle I need to meet with my parole officer or go to the drug recovery program or go to work? And as you said countless times on the bullshit filter, the government doesn't give a fuck. They just got paid and that's really all they're focused on. So it didn't matter that it made this guy's recovery even harder. They got theirs. Yeah. So who benefits? Well, Directly in terms of the money, lawyers yeah. and and police departments and stuff, people like that. Um, right. Who is affected by this? Who cops the brunt of it? And there are studies um, that definitely show that uh, these sorts of this this civil asset forfeiture program was targeting uh, poor black and brown people. Uh, I read right. one analysis of it in Nevada, I think it was. 74% of the Jeez. people who were impacted by this were black or brown people. Um, yeah. So who benefits from oppressing that demographic? Um. Well, we we talked about this a lot on the War on Drugs, right, series. Mm -hmm. Um, There has been systematic oppression of black and brown people in the United States. Uh, The whole War on Drugs, uh, which civil asset forfeiture was a big part of, was deliberately designed originally to oppress black and brown people. And then it was expanded sort of from Nixon onwards to go after hippies, anti-war activists, political mm-hmm. activists, people like political that. Political enemies. Political yeah. enemies, yeah. yeah. And, and also, as we talked about on that series, like if you can, um, if you can keep the black and brown people's lives uh, uh, difficult... Keep them working right. three jobs. Keep them poor. Keep their and they couldn't vote. Fathers in prison. They can't vote, right. or at least right. makes it hard for them to vote. Yeah. Um, then you can prevent them from having too much political representation, which means yeah. the, the the white people can continue to exploit the economy, uh, use the black and brown people as cheap labor. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, prevent them from fighting just, for you know, yeah. equal representation and more rights and salary increases and all that kind of stuff. Um, but here's the bigger question: uh, when we think about Cui Bono, who benefits from it being overturned? Mm. Who benefits when law enforcement has less cash? Who benefits when black and brown people aren't as oppressed? Well, 
the 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 first time we answered that question, the, the, what came to my mind when we were doing the War on Drugs series is that yes, someone might have been in dr- involved in drugs, or they might have tenuously been involved. But we were talking about time and time again how families were destroyed, how families were ruined. As far as turning this over, I would imagine if you can't go in and take everything someone has, the relatives or or connected family members of these people who are arrested or suspected are certainly going to be able to do much better because their stuff. Uh, cash, cars, whatever, are not taking. So on on one level, the, the average person who might be related to someone who may or may not be involved in drugs isn't going to have their lives ruined. So they benefit. Yeah, but at a, at a more macro level, who benefits? Mm-hmm. If more black and brown people can vote, who benefits? Yeah, I'm guessing the Democrats. If Generally law speaking. enforcement has less cash, who benefits? Huh. Dare I say criminals and or everybody in general? <laughs> it's not the way law enforcement is supposed to work. They're supposed to <laughs> no. benefit oh, come on. everyone in general. Yeah, I don't know. I look at I don't have answers for these questions, but and uh, I do believe that someone's going to benefit out of this, and it's, it'd be a good line of investigation to work out who it is. Not that I'm yeah. suggesting that the Supreme Court justices are uh, on the take, but um, mm, obviously, there some, might be a connection. Obviously, yeah. someone benefits. Well, whether or not there's a connection, it's just in, in, interesting to note who's going to benefit right. from these rulings when they're handed down. Anyway, yeah. enough of that story. Um, I think it's a positive it's a good thing. News. Good thing. Yes. It's surprising. Surprising to come out of this Supreme Court, which we know is now uh, majority majority conservative. I think yeah. five out it of makes... the nine are conservative. Yeah. Um, but they all got behind this unanimously. So quite to stunning. Me that, yeah, absolutely. To me, that tells you that if five conservative judges can go, God damn, we've been stealing way, excuse me, Taking too much of people's stuff. I mean, it truly must be an indication of just how far police um, organizations were going for these five, for, you know, for this to be unanimous. So, yeah. So, again, I think it's just another indication of the negligence that's been going on for decades. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know that this has ever gone to the Supreme Court and been tested before. So I guess that's right. the point. You you take these things to the Supreme Court and right. then they can make a ruling. Maybe if it had gone to them 40 years ago, they would have ruled on it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in, in a similar way. Anyway, moving right along. Um, my, I, you know, I, I have, I have many, many people I look up yeah. to. Ray, um, you're not one of those uh-huh. people, but um, oh. <laughs> I tell you who is. Oh, tell me. Uh, uh, the his, the uh, Dutch historian Rutger Bregman. Um, yeah. Now, Rutger Bregman, uh, people may have heard of him in the last uh, month or so he he went to davos and got up on stage mm-hmm. at davos and basically said yeah look you guys are just wasting your time here talking <laughs> about the world's problems and you're not talking about taxing the rich all you should be talking right. about is taxing the rich that's going to solve 75 percent of the world's problems just tax the rich more and if you're not talking yeah. about that what the fuck are you doing why do you even bother <laughs> now tucker carlson now, I don't know Tucker Carlson from Adam because I don't watch Fox News. Apparently, right. he's a Fox News uh, host. Uh, I mm-hmm. have heard over the last year or so that he's been spouting some uh, liberal, progressive ideas from time to time. 
Yes, but he's also been kind of getting close to the race line. So he's been uh, all over the place. He's certainly made a name for himself in the last year or so by being edgy in some ways on the politically left. But uh, on, on the other hand, he's been he's been nudging up to the nationalists. So he's kind of all over the place. Previously, he was a print journalist in the 90s, wrote for the Weekly Standard. Then he was a commentator on CNN for five years. Then he had Mm -hmm. a nightly show on MSNBC for a few years. And he's been on Fox for the last 10 years. Um, The Weekly Standard, by the way, is a a news corporation magazine, very conservative, founded by Bill Kristol, um, neoconservative sort of an outlet. Anyway, so uh, anyway, Tucker Carlson decided to have Bregman on his show to talk about the things that he said at Davos, and I'm just gonna now. So it didn't go to air, basically, and you'll right. you'll, you'll see right. why in a second if you haven't already heard this. But um, Bregman videoed his side of the interview and leaked it, put it out there. Yeah, he was he was smart enough to video it. Yeah. In my opinion, yeah, and and this is this is gold. So let me uh, let me play this clip. I think there's a bit of him at Davos to begin with. Uh, you hear what he said at Davos, and then we'll hear his unaired interview with Tucker Carlson. I'm just going to play it because I can tell you what happened, but I can just it's better just to listen. It's gold. To it. Oh, it's gold. It's gold. We gotta be talking about Texas. Yeah, That's it. Texas, Texas, Texas. All the rest is bullshit, in my, in my opinion. I mean, it feels like I'm at a firefighter's fire conference, and no one's allowed to speak about water. That's <laughs> one of the great moments. Maybe the great moment in Davos history. Rucker Bregman is the author of Utopia for Realists, and he joins us now. Mr. Bregman, I, I, I can't stop laughing just listening to that. And, and part of it makes me wonder, are you the first person ever to note that people are flying private to talk about global warming and that none of them mentioned tax avoidance. Has anyone ever said that before at Davos that you know of? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not an expert on Davos history, but it is a bit hypocritical, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Yes, it is. I, and, and others have noted that. We've noted it on this show. We've just never gone to Davos and said it out loud as you did. So if I was wearing a hat, I would take it off to you. What, was the, what response did you get? Well, I mean, they were not very happy with me, but I'm just, just a, I think, a, a, a random Dutch historian who's basically saying whatever on, around the globe is thinking. You know, the vast majority of Americans, for years and years now, according to the polls, uh, including Fox News viewers and including Republicans, are in favor of higher taxes on the rich. You know, higher inheritance taxes, higher top marginal tax rates, uh, higher wealth taxes. It's all really mainstream. But no one's saying that at Davos, just as no one's saying it on Fox News, right? And I think the, the, the explanation for that is quite simple, is that most of the people in Davos, but also here on this channel, have been bought by the billionaire class. You know, you're not meant to say these things. So I just went there and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to say it, just as I'm saying it right here on this channel. Well, what was interesting, I thought, about what you said was you noted something. I mean, many people have called for higher taxes, but very few... Well, not on this channel, is it? I mean, almost all of the pundits on this channel for years have been against higher taxes, right? Even though the the vast majority of Americans is in favor of it. I mean, I would... I I don't... I don't know... it would be interesting to know how many hours of Fox you've watched, but I'm interested in what you said mm-hmm. about tax avoidance. So yeah. you, just because someone faces a specific tax rate does not mean that person pays that tax mm-hmm. rate at all. I don't think Netflix, 
mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So what would you do specifically to make certain that this class of people pays what they're supposed to pay? Well, it's about multiple things. So we should really crack down on tax paradises and on tax avoidance. That's a major issue. But it's also about having higher taxes. So in the 1950s, for example, in the 1960s, in the golden age of capitalism, as historians called it, we had top marginal tax rate for the very rich uh, of about, you know, 70, 80, 90 percent actually under under Eisenhower, the Republican president. And this was also, you know, one of the best periods in American history. The same, same is true for the UK and, and the rest of Europe. Um, so as a historian, for me, it's all not, you know, it's it's really not rocket science. We should go just go back to, to simple and straightforward solutions from the, from the past. Right, but this country was sustained, and since you're a historian, I guess you would know this, sustained mm-hmm. by an industrial economy at the time that was broad and deep. Mm-hmm. They created a middle class. That doesn't exist anymore. So it's an entirely different economy. I wish it did exist. Oh well, but that's not that's not really an issue. I mean, work the same way with an entirely different economy. Well, I th- I think it would. I mean, uh, America is still pretty much the most powerful country in the world, right? So um, if it if it really would want to, it could easily crack down on uh, on tax paradises. But the thing is, I mean, you guys have brought into power a president that doesn't even want to show its own tax returns. Uh, I mean, who knows how many billions he has hidden in the Cayman Islands or in Bermuda. Um, so I think the issue really is, is, is one of corruption and of people being bribed and of not being, you know, not talking about the real issues. Uh, what the family, you know, what the Murdochs basically want you to do is to scapegoat immigrants instead of talking about tax avoidance. So I'm, I'm glad you're now finally raising the issue. But that's what been been happening for the past couple of years. Uh-huh. And I'm taking I'm taking orders from the Murdochs. Is that what you're saying? No, I mean it doesn't work that directly. But I mean, you've been part of the Cato Institute, right? You're you've been a senior fellow there for years. You've been you've been taking their dirty money. They're funded by cook billionaires, you know. Wait, why don't you tell me how it does work? Well, it works by you taking their dirty money. It's as easy as that. I mean, you are a millionaire funded by billionaires. That's what you are. And I'm glad you now finally jumped the bandwagon, you know, of people like Bernie Sanders and AOC. But you're not, you're not part of the solution, uh, Mr. Mr. Carlson. You're part of the problem, actually. AOC, wait, what, what can I just say? And, it's true, right? It's true, right, that all the, all the anchors all the anchors on Fox, <laughs> they're all millionaires. How is this possible? Well, it's very easy. You're just not talking about certain things. It doesn't even, Fox doesn't even play where you are. It doesn't play where you are. <laughs> well, have you heard of the internet? <laughs> I can watch things whatever I want, you know? I have, actually. I, I, I can't say I'm a great fan of your show, but I do my homework when you invite me on your show. So, I mean, you're probably not going to air this, uh, but I went to Davos to speak truth to power, and I'm doing exactly the same thing right now. You might not like it, but you're a millionaire funded by billionaires, and that's the reason why you're not talking about these issues. Yeah, only now. Come on, you jumped the bandwagon. You're all like, oh, I'm against the globalist elite, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's not very convincing, to be honest. Why don't you go f*** yourself, you tiny brain, and I hope this gets picked up. 
You can't handle the criticism, can you? <laughs> There's a war. <laughs> Damn. I had popcorn out for that one. Oh, my God. Love that. Isn't, so let me explain how it works, because Tucker Carlson doesn't seem to understand how it works. Here's how it works. We've talked mm-hmm. about this before. And this is detailed by Chomsky and Ed Herman in their book, Manufacturing Consent. It was written decades ago. Here's how it works. Now, I'm sure uh, Rupert Murdoch's not personally writing uh, emails to Tucker Carlson every week telling him what to talk about and what not to talk about. Right. The way it works is this, is if Tucker Carlson was to say uh, things on his show consistently... Well, it goes back for it. If Tucker Carlson, uh, uh, in his before coming to Fox, if he had uh, constantly advocated leftist positions on things, right? Um, higher taxes on the rich, on the rich, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, he wouldn't have got he wouldn't have got a gig in the first place. You know, he, right. just, he wouldn't have got right. a, wouldn't have got the his own TV show at Fox. He wouldn't have got an interview. Yeah, exactly. Once he's on there, um, if he if he had started advocating opinions and views on his show that were contrary to the interests of Rupert Murdoch and and mm-hmm. and the wealthy elite, then he would get censured and and or removed. He'd get taken off air. Talking that's, to yeah. that that's how it yeah. works. So right. you don't have to give. So and, and I talk about this a lot in my new book, The Psychopath Economy. Bitly slash the psych uh, slash psychopath economy. Uh, If you haven't already pre-ordered a copy, Um, you know the way it works is it's about culture of organisations. If if you get a job at company ABC and uh, you don't fit the culture there, the culture set by management, if you don't value the same thing that the culture values, if your morals are different right. to the cultural morals of the organization, one of a number of things will always happen. Uh, one, you will leave of your own accord. You'll get to a point mm-hmm. where you go, you know what, I, I don't feel good about working for this organization. Do I don't agree yeah. with your values and morals. And you'll quit. A lot of good people quit organizations all the time for that reason. What The people mm-hmm. that are left then are the people whose values and morals are naturally in alignment with the organization. They don't have to get told what to think and what to say and what to do because their morals and values are naturally in alignment with those of the organization. The second thing that can happen is you can change your morals and values over time. You go, well, maybe, you know, killing killing babies, bombing babies um, in their houses is not a bad thing. It's okay. It's justifiable. This is is a preview of the next story that we're going to do. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it's okay dropping bombs on these houses. If I don't drop bombs on these uh, babies, someone else is going to do it. So yeah. might as well be me, right? Um, it's my job. So, so your morals and values change because you don't really have any, and I point this out in the book, most of us, I think, have never sat down and written down, these are my values, these are my morals, this is the framework for which I'm going to live my life. We kind of, we have some vague ideas, but vague. the problem with vague ideas is they can be changed over time and if you don't really know what you stand for and why so you can change or or you know if you don't change and you don't quit you can you'll get squeezed out you'll get fired you'll get managed out of the organization they they will mm-hmm. you know put you on warning and you'll get pushed out 
So there, uh, right. and, and well, fourth, and the, the least likely though, is maybe you will change the organisation to be more in line with your values and morals. That's always possible, <clears throat> but very, very difficult, obviously, and highly unlikely. But if people organise uh, inside of an organisation, they, they might have the power to do that. So that's how if it I, works. Yeah. And if I could add on to that real quick, you have, like you said, the people that disagree either get, leave or get fired, and that place becomes like its own little mini tribe. And just like any other tribe, it will defend itself, they'll close ranks, they'll protect each other. So it does become defensive, and they do take care of each other. And Carlson absolutely freaked out on this guy because he was going right after him and his tribe and telling him that he was a slave to his boss, which offended Carlson like in 14 different ways. So, yeah, he's going to lose it on this guy. The great thing about the interview, though, is Carlson starts off by sucking up to this guy. Oh, what you did absolutely. was great. You were take my best. hat off to you, sir. Oh, fantastic. Well, you- do you know why he did that? Because Carlson lately has been talking about Amazon and Netflix, who Trump hates the two major uh, shareholders of those companies. And he, he's been talking lately about them not paying taxes. So he thought he was bringing this guy on mm-hmm. to talk about tax avoidance, specifically about those two. And mm-hmm. because he's Dutch, he mm-hmm. just went off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. The guy just <laughs> said what everyone wants to say. It's, it's just, true. Yeah. And it's yeah, tr- yeah. Yeah. He yeah. said, and so, yeah, and then just just watching Carlson go from that to you're a fucking moron, tiny brain <laughs> moron, because he was criticizing Carlson and Fox. Fantastic. Right? By the way, Tucker yeah. Carlson's father was Dick Carlson. Uh, mm-hmm. He was uh, the director of Voice of America during the Cold War and ran wow. the Radio Marti broadcasting service to Cuba. Uh, Radio Marti was sort of a. Um, American propaganda radio yeah. that they would beam from Miami into Cuba to spread American political propaganda in the Spanish language to Cuba after right. the revolution. So, um, yeah. So th- that was his father running uh, Cold War propaganda. Yeah. So Apple doesn't so fall very far from the tree. Yeah, exactly. How could Car- how could Carlson almost in some ways be any other way? Did you read, because um, uh, I, I was looking forward to you quoting it, did you read Bergman when he quoted uh, Noam Chomsky? Bregman, you're talking about? Bregman, sorry. Sorry, yeah, Bregman, yeah. No, what did he say? Oh, yeah. So, so after the interview, it's all over with, you know, Bregman says, I stand behind what I said, but there's one thing I should have done better. Bregman says, when Carlson asked me about how he's being influenced by big business and tax-avoiding billionaires, I should have quoted Noam Noam Chomsky. I came to talk. And Chomsky said this. He said, years ago, when he was being asked a similar question, Chomsky, Chomsky replied, I'm sure you believe everything you're saying. But what I'm saying is that if you believe something different, you wouldn't be sitting where you're sitting. Yes. So Chomsky goes right under it, under their argument. Yeah, and that's that's as again that the, the, he and Ed Herman wrote an entire book about how this works: manufacturing consent. Wow. Yeah. yeah, you know, if you if your values and morals and beliefs aren't in line with your organization, and in this particular case, talking about the media, media organization, then you don't get the job. Yeah. If you get the job, you don't stick around in the job. You either you right. leave or you get fired, basically. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, uh, other big news story this week is that uh, a top cardinal of the Catholic Church, in a meeting with the Pope, Pope Frank, admitted <laughs> right? 
to this uh, Vatican summit on sexual abuse that the Catholic Church destroyed abuse files to prevent them from being used against them and falling into the wrong hands. The top cardinal admitted that the Catholic Church destroyed files to prevent documentation of decades of sexual abuse of children, telling the people who attended this summit that the maladministration of the church led Mm -hmm. in no small measure to more children being harmed. In a frank speech to 190 cardinals, bishops, and heads of religious orders taking part in the four-day summit, German Cardinal Reinhard Marx, Groucho's younger brother, said the church's administration had left victims' rights trampled underfoot and made it impossible for the worldwide institution to fulfill its mission. Files that could have documented the terrible deeds and named those responsible were destroyed or not even created. Instead of the perpetrators, the victims were regulated and silence imposed on them. The stipulated procedures and processes for the prosecution of offences were deliberately not complied with, but instead cancelled or overridden. Let let me uh, jump in here for a second. One, would you be surprised to know that none of the victims were inside the auditorium on Thursday morning, um, but they did video, they they did play some of their videotaped testimony. So none of the victims were inside to make them, um, I guess, feel uncomfortable. But let me ask you this before we go on. Do you give Pope Frank any credit for holding this summit? Does that oh, yeah. mean anything? Yeah, 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 okay. but it's not enough. It's too little, too late. No. You know, right. my position is the entire Catholic Church is just basically a criminal organization masked as a religious organization, and they just need to be shut down globally. UN right. just needs to make a decision. That's it. Catholic Come Church, in. you're like the Nazi party. You're just not allowed to right. exist anymore. <laughs> just, Sorry. Yeah. You've done too yeah. much damage, and you're, you're deliberately criminal. It's not that there are criminals... Within your organization, the organization has systematically uh, covered up human rights abuses for decades. Uh, And then, as we've been talking about now, our Renaissance show, it's been a terrible criminal organization forever, since Mm -hmm. day one, pretty much. Anyway... um, yeah, look, I give him a little bit of credit, but Ray, nobody knows more about the Catholic Church than you do. You, you are, a, you are a Catholic, I believe. Um, a fallen, fallen Catholic. Yeah, you are a Catholic. You, you your family's Catholic. Uh, you, you have a brother-in-law who's a priest, an active mm-hmm. priest. Um, yes. You know, do you have to be a rapist to be a Catholic, or is it just a bonus? Um. To, honestly, that would be like the guy who did the amendment. I would put that at the top of my resume if I wanted the job. So it helps. It helps. And and have you sat down and talked about this with your brother-in-law recently? Have you asked no, him how many kids no. he's raped? <laughs> no, to be honest, oh, I'd say over the last two or three years, because um, you, you met him uh, when we went to Australia. T- to be honest, he and I have gotten we don't we talk about the weather we don't talk about politics we don't talk about the catholic church it's just hard for me to even go through the motions of pretending to respect what he's chosen to do with his life and so we're not mean to each other but it's 
extremely superficial, delicate. We tiptoe, it's and southern, then we spend a lot of it's southern, and we spend a lot of time away. From, yeah, I just yeah. I just look at. I mean, I mean, I'm sure he is probably a decent person. I don't know because we've all got you know things that we hide from people. Um, but I I just can't go. It's hard for me to go through the motions anymore for him to be a part of that. So we don't talk as much. Now, this uh, comes hot on the heels of the recent admission by the Pope that priests and bishops have used nuns as sex slaves. Oh, that's so hot. Frank admitted recently on a plane on his way back from Saudi Arabia that Uh uh, clerics have sexually abused nuns, and in one case they were kept as sex slaves. And he said that uh, his predecessor, Pope Emperor Palpatine, was forced to shut down an entire congregation of nuns who were being abused by priests. Now, I looked into this further. This was uh, an organization called the Community of St. John, which was based in France. And... Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, he he mentioned that Benedict had shut this down, uh, but that the problem was still ongoing throughout the church. Now, the, wow. the, the St. John family, or the community mm. of St. John as they're known, included right. three French Catholic congregations, the Brothers of St. John, the Apostolic Sisters of St. John, and the mm-hmm. Contemplative Sisters of St. John. And the little-known secret fourth congregation, the Dirty Little Sluts of St. John. (laughs) Is Julia Augustus' daughter the patron saint of that one? She is, yeah. (laughs) Um, By the way, did a great uh, episode for the Caesar Show with the partial historians, Dr. G and Dr. R on the weekend. And we talked a lot about Julia, got their female perspective on Julia and oh, uh, Livia, which yeah. was great. They are funny, man. These girls are yeah. funny. And they disagree on everything. One of them loves Augustus. The other one hates Augustus. One of them loves Tibbo. <laughs> the other one hates Tibbo. Oh, that's great. Um, i got to check that out. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, you, uh, you, it's a shame you couldn't uh, make it because you were, I don't know, asleep or something. But anyway, yeah. um, so this uh, St. John community was founded by Father Marie-Dominique Philippe in 1975. Mm. Now, the habit for men, the costume that they wear, is a simple grey tunic and a scapula, similar to the black habit of Benedictine monks. A scapula is sort of that black thing that they wear, sort of hangs over their shoulders, and a rosary around the waist. The contemplative sisters wear an additional white veil and the apostolic sisters wear a grey veil um, and both of them uh, under that wear sexy lingerie from Victoria's Secret. It's part of their official uh, habit. With a hole. Now, this thing, during the summer of 1975, Father Philippe was teaching philosophy at the University of Freiburg in Switzerland when five of Mm -hmm. his students began to live what is called in the histories a communal life. Now, this is right. the 70s, and this is Switzerland. Yeah. Right. I, think we, I think we all know what communal life means. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It means uh, lots of fucking, I think. <laughs> weed and fucking. Mutual, yeah. mutual pleasuring, yes. Now, Father yes. Philippe would visit their commune once a week to provide, quote-unquote, 
spiritual direction. <laughs> and I think we all know what that means as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I could do twice a week. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. Once a week? Come on, buddy. <laughs> well, he stayed for five days when he was there oh, once a week. Oh, you know, he, now I'm like, impressed. Yeah, now he'd go, he'd now go for I'm the weekends. Okay. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> Father Philippe, who died in 2006, age 94... Proving what I've always suspected, that the secret to a long (laughs) life is having sex with nuns. Uh, He was accused uh, just recently uh, of ongoing sexual abuse by a former nun who said she received spiritual direction from him. So that's apparently what spiritual direction means. If you ever hear of, uh, you know, come over here, uh, like... Next time you go to your local whorehouse and uh, right? Heather says, where are you going? You go just to get some spiritual direction. <laughs> Not sexual healing, spiritual direction. Now, it wasn't just Father Marie-Dominique Philippe. It was his brother to Father Thomas Philippe, Jean Thomas Jeez. Philippe. Um, now, despite the Vatican trying to walk back what Francis said. They've come out and said, well, it wasn't really sexual. It was something no. like spiritual sex or something. Spiritual sex. I ah. read I read one of the testimonies of one of the accusers of Father Thomas, um, and she you know, definitely accused him of at least getting her to give him handjobs. She said, right. um, he told me that the Lord wanted to give me special mystic graces and invited me to come see him at night from 11.30. From that moment on, probably early 1979, he made me go behind the small room that served as his office to his sleeping area. Our meetings always take place late at night on his bed. These times of mystical graces become longer and more and more intimate. Lying on his bed from one time to another, more and more undressed, we caress, we kiss with the tongue, I caress his sex. Oh, God. I am not turned on right now. I am so not. Now, Ray, nobody more, nobody knows more about <laughs> Jesus than you do. What was right? Jesus' position on getting hand jobs from nuns? Um, um, yes means, no means yes. Uh... As long as it's not your mom, it's okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing. Now, that particular nun uh, stayed in the community for like 35 years after this. Oh, my God. Right. And, 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 and when the accusation started first coming out, she denied them. But it's only well, been recently course. that she's been able yeah. to uh, talk about it. Like I, I know it may sound I'm making light of this. I'm obviously not making light of rape. Don't accuse me of that. Right. I am yeah. just obviously talking about how ridiculous and appalling this all is. Yeah. Um, Jeez. But, you know, this is, this is just another manifestation of what goes on inside the Catholic Church. It's, it's child rape, there's nun rape. By the way, it wasn't just these two uh, brothers either. It was other priests were also involved in the community of St. John. Good news, mm. though. Community of St. John's still going. Big in the U.S. too. According to their website... Oh, I'm sure it is. For four decades, we have been striving to follow Christ in the footsteps of the beloved disciple. Maybe that's what they're saying. Look, the beloved disciple, supposedly, St. Right. John... Uh, John, who wrote uh, the Gospel of John, 
uh, maybe he and Jesus uh, yeah. ha- had a thing going. Um, <laughs> you know, bit of a bit of hand job on the cross. Oh God! Bef- before you go, so, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you want me to just God. you know, we want to rub one out just to the end? Like <laughs> you're up there, you're fairly scantily clad. It's a bit right. sexy, got to be honest. Yeah. I, I know you're bleeding oh and all that, but uh, got to got to be you've yeah. ripped. You've been working out, Lord. Lord, look at those pecs. <laughs> He's buff. Look at those abs. He's buff. Yeah, I've never okay, seen so you without clear. your robe on, Lord. I mean, it's uh, got to tell you, wow. got to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so to be to be to be straight on this. Getting Heather to dress up as as a nun might be considered tack A, but it's okay. What they were doing was obviously abusing their power and authority um, and just, yeah, for years, if not decades, just owned and controlled and treated these women like slaves. Yeah. Um, Now, not just in France, there are cases of abused nuns in India, Africa, Europe, South America. One community, I think it was in Africa, a report that came out 28 years ago, said that 29 nuns in a single community were reported to have become pregnant after sexual relationships with priests. Mm -hmm. But when the mother superior raised the problem with her archbishop, she was removed from her post. Ah, again, power. There was another story of one priest who induced a nun that he had knocked up to have an abortion when she died oh during the operation, he celebrated right. her funeral mass. That's sick. That is absolutely sick. Uh, there are stories of young female candidates trying to enter into a nunnery, being obliged to have sex with the priest in order to obtain the necessary approvals. Listen. Is that, um, yeah. I know you want to be a nun and everything. And obviously, listen, when you are a nun, you're going to get none. I have to tell you, unless you're getting it from me. <laughs> this, yeah, this so is this your is, last chance. This is your last yeah. chance. Like, just right. get it out of your system. Yeah. Look, I, I, it, it, look, everyone. Use me. Everyone Use does me. it. Yeah, I'm right, here right. for you. <laughs> for you. <laughs> everyone does it. Like, no one talks about <laughs> it, right. but everyone does no. it. Come on, you're a woman. But, you've, yeah, got, you've got yeah. needs. Uh, You're human. God made you that way. Look, what do you think Jesus and Mary Magdalene were doing when no one was looking? Come on. Yeah, really? Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. We all know. <laughs> we just don't talk about right. it. So just hop up here. Um, reports also yeah. say that nuns who became pregnant were forced to leave their religious congregation, while priests who knocked them up were just sent away for a little bit and then they were allowed to come back. They went. They went. Jeez. They went. On a, on a cruise Vacation. ship. Yeah. Sabbatical. Cruise yeah. ship. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the Sex Catholic boat. Church for you. Um, honestly, Actually, ca- if you know yeah. any Catholics, yeah. if you have any Catholic friends or family, have this conversation with them. I mean, honestly, sit them down. Don't be a dick about it. D-back, but go, listen. <laughs> I really, right. really want to know, as a Catholic, how do you feel about handjobs from nuns? I mean, is it... <laughs> Okay, because right, and if so, do you know any nuns? And if, you, and if you come, is that a sin? If you spill your seed upon the ground, <laughs> will the Lord smite you down? Well, that rhymes. That's gonna be a new country song. 
Spill my Coffee seed mug. upon oh, yeah, the ground. <laughs> then the Lord did smite me down. Got a uh, hand job I, I, from a nun. What <laughs> uh, nun better? Yeah. Asked to lick no, it with um, her tongue. No, I, what? <laughs> okay, no, j- just uh, just to wrap up the, this part of this uh, story. So on the final day of the his, this historic summit, um, let's see, Pope Francis said that... Um, uh, he said that the priests and the other Catholics who abused children were tools of Satan. And he has a quote here. The brutality of this worldwide phenomenon becomes all the more grave and scandalous in the church for it's utterly in, in, incompatible. It's, it is utterly incompatible with its moral authority and ethic, ethical credibility. Consecrated persons chosen by God to guide souls to salvation, let themselves be dominated by their human frailty or sickness, and thus become tools of the devil. So is he trying to use the Satan to get a pass? Because he doesn't offer up anything concrete. He's just like, "Ah, yeah, I told you, you got to watch the devil. He's everywhere. Now, uh, breaking news here, folks. This is Cam, and I'm recording this after we recorded this this morning. At this juncture, when we were chatting, I started alluding to a certain Australian cardinal that uh, is as well known in Australia, and I'm sure around the world, has been found guilty of child sexual abuse. But up until this morning, apparently, we weren't able to talk about it. I wasn't aware that the uh, gag order against Cardinal George Pell has been lifted, obviously, as of today. Uh, I want to thank Rob Irwin for alerting me to that on Facebook before this show came out. So uh, for those of you who haven't been following this, uh, Australia's most senior Catholic cleric, Cardinal George Pell, has been convicted of sexually abusing two choir boys when he was Archbishop of Melbourne. Now, this happened a couple of months ago, but we weren't allowed to talk about it. There was a gag order because there was another trial. Um, Anyway, it's now valid. Now, this guy up until recently was the third highest ranking Catholic in the Vatican. He went over to the Vatican a few years ago when the heat started to get turned up in Australia when we were having a royal commission into sexual abuse of uh, children in Australia. He conveniently got a job over in Rome and, uh, well, as it turns out, it didn't save him. Um, He was convicted in December, but um, and they're going to appeal uh, against the conviction. He pled not guilty, but um, yeah, he was uh, found guilty on all charges. One count of sexual penetration of a child under the age of 16 and four counts of committing an indecent act with or in the presence of a child. So uh, there you go. I mean, uh, he's going to be sentenced next week, apparently. Will spend time behind bars. He is old. He's in his late 70s, 77, I think. So there you go, Cardinal George Pell, the guy who ran the Catholic Church in Australia for many years, the guy who was the friend, very close friend of uh, one of our prime ministers, Tony Abbott, um, was uh, sort of very, very public uh, voice of morals and goodness and defender of the Catholic Church in Australia. 
According to the ABC here in Australia, one of the choir boys that was sexually abused by Pell gave testimony uh, at the trial. Uh, He was apparently a student at a very prestigious college in Melbourne, St. Kevin's College, and sang in St. St. Patrick's Cathedral Choir as part of a music program run by the school. After singing at a Sunday Mass in late December 1996, so this isn't happening in the 60s and 70s, like is quite often the case with these sexual abuses by priests. This is uh, not that long ago. It's 20 years ago. He and another choir boy slipped away from the rest of the group as they processed back to their rehearsal room. He told the court that they came across the priest's sacristy, a room at the rear of the cathedral used by priests to dress. It was off limits to the choir. The former choir boy said they were being naughty kids having a look around when they came across a bottle of altar wine and started having a few swigs. But soon, Pell appeared in the doorway, alone and dressed in his archbishop's robes. He said something like, what are you doing in here and you're in trouble, victim told the trial. There was this moment when we all just froze and then he undid his trousers or his belt like he started moving underneath his robes. The court heard one of the boys ask, can you let us go? We didn't do anything. But instead, the then archbishop pulled one of the boys aside and pushed his head down to his penis. After a few minutes, he moved on to the other choir boy. Pell forced him to perform oral sex before fondling him as he masturbated. I put my clothes back on. I corrected myself, the former choir boy told the jury, estimating the ordeal had lasted just minutes. We got up and left the room and went back into the choral change room area. Months later, the former choir boy was abused by Pell again. After another Sunday mass, the archbishop pushed him against a corridor wall and groped him in a brief assault. So, uh, George Pell, that's the George Pell story. Um, Now, look, as I've said many times in our shows, I'm not one of these people that says they should all burn in hell. Like, these these guys, um, they are broken. They, they, They are attracted to the church because they are broken. Um, no one asks to be a sex predator. No one asks to be a a rapist. No one asks to be a child molester. No one asks to be a serial killer. People do these things because their brains are broken for a variety of reasons. Sometimes you're born that way. Sometimes things happen to you in life. Psychopaths and sociopaths. Psychopaths are born that way. Sociopaths are made through things that happen to them usually very early in life. So it's not their fault, but... We need to protect them uh, or protect society from them and protect them from themselves, I guess. But the second thing is the church, this is the big point here, is the church and the people running the church have deliberately hidden uh, uh, these acts, uh, protected the perpetrators, which makes it a criminal organization and it needs to be treated as a criminal organization. That's my position on it. So... We can finally talk about Cardinal George Pell. My old mate, Father Bob Maguire, Catholic priest down in Melbourne. George Pell was his uh, boss for many, many years. And I know that uh, Bob didn't have a great deal of respect for George Pell. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about all of this. Bob has hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter. So I'll be checking that out in a minute. Anyway, uh I'll get on with the rest of the show. I'll throw it back to me and Ray. Boy, just to wrap up, last story. Um, 
According to the United Nations, Ray, more civilians were killed in the war in Afghanistan last year than any other year since time began. With child <laughs> with child deaths reaching an all-time yeah. high as well, partly due to a spike in American airstrikes. Jeez, yes. Yeah, the UN assistance mission in Afghanistan documented more than 3,800 civilian deaths in the country just last year, including 930 children. Both of these were new records. Nearly 11,000 civilian casualties in total were recorded throughout the year. So obviously this is um, the longest war the United States has ever been in, 17 years. And for whatever reason, I mean, we're just dropping, and I guess you're going to get to this in a minute, but we're doing just a ton of more airstrikes than we ever have before. And of course, when you do that, the casualties, including the children. Now, uh, the United Nations says that most of the casualties are blamed on anti-government forces, the Taliban and local you know, Islamic State uh, groups. Right. But the pro-government forces, supported by the Americans, are being blamed for about a quarter of the deaths and injuries. Now, the pro-government forces, including the U.S. military, were shown to have killed more Afghan children last year than the other side, which the United Nations says was largely due to U.S. Right. airstrikes. The Trump administration's ramped up the bombing campaign and uh, dropping bombs on buildings with kids in them. Now, here's the thing. I've seen justification mm-hmm. of this uh, on Reddit by Americans saying, well, it's the Taliban's fault or Islamic State's fault. They deliberately hide in buildings where there are children. They're using them as human shields. Mm, Right. And then these same defenders are also saying that, and and the US military says that these strikes are surgical. So on one hand, they're saying, well, they're saying we know not exactly. We're enough. not accidentally dropping bombs yeah. on kids. We're deliberately dropping bombs on kids, but it's not our fault because the Taliban or ISIS are hiding in these buildings where the kids are. So we're knowingly bombing kids, right. but it's okay because there are people in those buildings that we want to kill, and the kids are just collateral damage. That's absolutely insane. Now, the reason Trump has been ramping up the bombing campaign is because he's trying to get the Taliban to the negotiating table so maybe we can work something out. So then I'm I'm guessing he wants to pull the U.S. troops out. Now, whether that's for financial reasons or whatever, but the point is you, you don't, you know, um, the ends doesn't justify the means. You can't just start bombing willy-nilly and kill a whole bunch of more people than that's been killed in the last three years just to get this other group to start talking to you. That is that is in. So Trump couldn't but that's even exactly get the Democrats happening. to agree to build his fucking wall, but he thinks he can get the Taliban to the table to agree to things. Really? Right. <laughs> well, they're they're they talked about a month ago, and they're going to talk again. And I guess what they're shooting for is um, we would maybe pull out, and they would agree not to house terrorist groups 
That's a hell of a... That's not exactly anyway, a fair exchange. point is, uh, after all these years, the war that America started is uh, ongoing and uh, record number of deaths and record number of children and most of the children being killed by the U.S. military or allies of the U.S. military. Uh, but if you own stock in the military-industrial complex... But Maduro, Ray, is what we need to be that. worried about. Maduro. Oh, he's a, he's a threat to the whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever of the United yeah. States. Yeah. We don't even well, care we do, about his oil. But that's not, that's not why we're going in there. We out and out said we want his oil, but really, that's... <laughs> it's for no, that's a show for humanity. this week. <laughs> humanity. Bullshit. <laughs>